For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with HomeThreads. HomeThreads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on home threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane, I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Join me today as I talk to fellow podcaster and author, Miranda Anderson. Our conversation begins with a chat about her year of no spending, and we end with her five-step framework for moms to adopt and implement an adventure mindset. My hope is that you walk away from this conversation with clarity of what an adventure mindset looks like in relation to minimalism and contentment with less. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to, as always, I know I sound like a broken record, but encourage you to leave a rating and review on iTunes if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow in this new year and pass along the idea of minimalism, simplifying, and living with less to others. As for my minimalist moment this week, currently in Ohio, we are, I would, we're not snowed in, but we got some snow. And so I was feeling like I wanted to declutter today. I also feel like I'm nesting. I'm not pregnant, but I just feel like maybe I'm pre spring cleaning. So I tackled a drawer in the hutch. My husband did all the spices and the coffee cabinet and the tea cabinet. So we're slowly making our way through just the little areas in our house that have been overlooked since the beginning of fall. That said, I wanted to encourage you in your own decluttering as well. Maybe you are pre-spring cleaning like me. Maybe you're snowed in. Maybe you have some extra time on your hands. Maybe you want a distraction. So I shared a post on social media of 10 things currently causing clutter in your home. I had originally shared this last February, but I wanted to repost it today for any of you that were looking to declutter. So 
So I just want to go through these 10 things really quick. The first one is piles of unsorted mail, stacks of books on the nightstand, too many shoes gathered near the door, which was us today after playing in the snow, dirty dishes in the sink, an overflowing toy box, a hamper waiting to be sorted and put away, expired produce in the fridge, athletic gear slouching outside the garage door, excessive amounts of decorative pillows on the bed and couch, and tchotchkes on the mantle. So I said, don't let these common areas of clutter build in your home and tackle one today. I will keep saying it until I'm blue in the face, but slowly but surely, you will get to a decluttered home if you keep nipping away at it. Even if you do something like my husband and I have been doing where we both tackle a little area here and there, We know that especially with children, we're never going to come to a place where we arrive with no clutter because, well, if you're a children or anything like my children, they constantly are bringing things in, which is totally fine. We just need to sort through what we want to keep, what's essential, and then what can be donated or tossed aside. So I hope some of these areas were helpful to you and that they inspire you and some motivation to get decluttering. Enjoy this conversation with Miranda. She's a wise woman, and I'm so happy to have had her on the show. Here we go. Miranda, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about a variety of topics today in regards to your own minimalist pursuits, your year of no spending, and what you refer to as the adventure mindset. So before we get into all those topics, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. So my name is Miranda Anderson. I'm a mom of three. I have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old. We also have a menagerie of animals, chickens, dogs, cats. We live in a small house in Richmond, Virginia, and I have been a blogger for about 15 years. I started a podcast almost four years ago, and I had a book about our 12-month no shopping challenge that was published in 2019, so that's a couple years old now. Um, I really love teaching and um, talking about how to live your life on purpose. And I feel like through this conversation and um, our 12-month challenge really was kind of one of the ways that I feel like our family really started to align with our values in a meaningful way. So did you say that you felt, or I should say, do you feel like you've always lived that way? I mean, one of my questions I was going to ask you was if you considered yourself to be a minimalist. So have you felt like this has always been a priority for you to be more intentional or was that after kids? Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I don't think that I would have considered myself a minimalist until 2013, 14, 15 is kind of when I started experimenting with different ideas, like minimalist ideas. And I don't think I really claimed that sort of lifestyle and, uh, ideology until the last few years, really. I grew up super creative um, in a family of many siblings. And I kind of joke that I raised myself in some ways, like my, there were so many kids and my parents were busy. And so I was kind of just left to my own devices a lot. And so I was doing a lot of playing in the kitchen and trying things out there and going outside and building stuff in the backyard. And just, um, I I was probably a little bit of a mini hoarder too. Like a lot of kids are where I'd come home with like pockets filled with treasures from the outside. Or when we went to the beach, I'd always like gather all of the pretty shells. And 
So it wasn't until I started having kids and we were living in a small apartment in the DC area while my husband went to school. I was working part-time as a nurse. I'm a registered nurse as well. Um, although I don't work currently as a nurse, but we had this small kind of delineated space and that was fine when it was the two of us. And then when we had one baby, it was just the three of us. And then we had another baby and it was the four of us, but they were still little. And then it felt like things started to kind of spiral, like kids come with stuff. And we were kind of on the fast track of have a great job, you know, move out of our apartment into a house and, and then you need to decorate the house. And of course, Pinterest and all of the messages that we see about the way that your life could look, you know, this kind of magazine style lifestyle um, is really powerful. And I was working online as a blogger. And so I was spending a lot of time taking in the ideas, other people's ideas about what my life was supposed to look like and feel like. And I started to feel a little bit behind, like I was checking all of the boxes and I wasn't feeling fulfilled. Like I I, I kept thinking, wait, we're doing all the things we're supposed to do in order to like find happiness and success. And yet I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I'm feeling a little bit, you know, underwhelmed um, by my life itself. And I I think my third child was kind of the tipping point for me when I felt like I had lost any semblance of rhythm control or like ability to do the things that I wanted to do on a daily basis. And I realized rather than adding more, which was the message I had heard, like add this, add that, that will help. You'll be able to get on top of things with this and that uh, method, product, whatever it is. I realized that where I needed to find the solution was in taking things away and starting to reduce. So that was kind of... um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have probably been there and you, it sounds like, you know, in your own, your own experience with minimalism as well, you get to the point where you're like, wait, I just can't do what I'm doing anymore. So there has to be some change and it, and taking stuff away is going to be the change that feels like it makes sense right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, when I heard that you had done this 12 month, no spend challenge, I know it was a couple of years ago, but I want to hear more details about all that. But yeah, I think sometimes we don't always have to be so radical in our decision-making. And I think it's best sometimes to go slow and get the tiny wins under your belt. But then other times, like you experienced, you just reach a tipping point and you want to have a huge change. And sometimes it does take a really big monumental monumental change to establish new routines and new habits. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The no-spend... I think of it as a minimalist challenge. It wasn't a no spend challenge so much as it was a no shopping challenge. So I just want to clarify that, that we didn't not spend money and it wasn't really about our budget so much as it was about adding patience and gratitude and abundance back into our life in a meaningful way. And the way we thought we could do that was by stopping acquiring new things. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't my first jump into minimalism. I started experimenting in small ways, like you're talking about. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I reduced my I had been a meal planner. I actually really love to cook, but it's really hard to cook in Mm -hmm. a fun way when you have very little kids. That's kind of witching hour. I had my toddlers like pulling at my legs and I was like, I just need to get something (laughs) on the table. And so I decided to try out a minimalist meal plan. And this looked like dramatically reducing my decision-making down to where as a family, we chose seven meals and we decided to put those on repeat weekly for an entire season. So three months worth of the same meals over and over again. And now it's been eight years. And my family still does this. We do a seasonal minimal meal plan. We eat the same things weekly for Mm -hmm. the whole season. And um, so that was one way that I was like, whoa, this actually works. I tried it out like thinking, let's try it for a month or two and see what happens. 
And then when you find success with something, you just keep doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. So the other place that I experimented was with my wardrobe. I around, this is like 2013, 14. I had just had another baby, you know, your body changes so much through those years. And I looked in my closet every day and thought I have nothing to wear, even though it was overflowing with clothing, some of which I had had since high school and college, you know? Mm -hmm. So I decided rather than like a little, like take a couple things down to donate, I was going to do a full capsule wardrobe clean out. And I did that. And there was a blog that I read about it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to follow all her steps. I took every single thing out of my closet, shoes, belts, underwear, exercise clothes, coats. I mean, everything. I laid it out all in my room and I went through it one by one. And this, of course, is like a big commitment to, there's some time involved in like trying everything on. And I asked myself the question, do I love this? Does it fit? Do I feel like myself in it? Mm -hmm. And I pared down by like 75, 80% to about 60 items tops, bottoms, and shoes. And then I had, you know, underwear, exercise, clothes, and seasonal like coats and stuff um, to the side, Mm -hmm. but I dramatically reduced that. And again, same thing as with the minimal meal plan, I realized that it worked, like it felt good for me. And I, I know some people have tried different minimalist challenges, or they've tried kind of doing these steps toward reducing in an area of their life that it doesn't actually feel good, that they actually prefer to have more variety in this or that area of their life. And that's great. Mm -hmm. I think that the purpose of minimalism for me is figuring out what I need, what I love and my family, you know, the family lifestyle that we want individually and being able to align our decisions with that, even if it doesn't make sense for someone else, if it makes sense for us, that's the way I want to live. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had tried these small things out and I also, I'm a big reader and I had read a couple books that I thought were super interesting. One of them is the, um, by Greg, McEwen. Yeah. yeah. um, Essentialism. He just came out with a new one effortless, which is also fantastic. But I think essentialism is like standard Bible bedside for Mm -hmm. anyone who wants to live their life more on purpose. I had read that and I had read a book also uh, by Erin Lochner called chasing slow. Mm -hmm. And I really resonated with that too, because she was in a similar industry to me and felt a lot of those same external pressures that I did and reading about her decision to make a different, like to live differently was really inspiring. And so all of that combined and kind of climaxed in watching the minimalist documentary on Netflix, Mm -hmm. which came out the year right before we decided to, you know, undergo this challenge. And I watched it and I was enamored by some of the ideas and the values involved. And as a mom of three with animals and a house that we owned and like a job that was stationary, I felt like it was super unrealistic for my own lifestyle. And I thought, how, like, what are the things from this we can use without selling everything we own and, you know, becoming digital nomads or living in a trailer off the grid? Like, how can we use some of these ideas from the different things that we've been gathering and the different experiences that we've had kind of smaller experiences? And the thing that I latched on to was use what you have. And I turned to my husband and said, hey, do you think that we have enough right now in our home, in our closets, in our garage, that we could go 12 months without adding anything else. And of course, I wasn't talking about consumable things like food and gas for the cars and like light bulbs that need to be replaced, but clothing, shoes, you know, bedding, electronics, games, books, toys. We had bikes, we had scooters, we had a trampoline in the backyard. You know, I was like, I think that we've kind of done it. Like we, we have all of these things. And of course, there will always be more that you think you can add. But when we we stopped and did kind of a mental walkthrough of our house, we realized that 
we, we had so much stuff, a lot of which we weren't even using currently, like things in closets that we had forgotten about. And he said, yeah, you know, I think we could. And I said, it was the beginning of, it was this time of year. It was like December to January ish where you're thinking about, at least we are kind of big goal setters. And we were thinking about how are we going to make positive change this year? What are our goals resolutions? And I said, why don't we just try it? Why don't we? And this is where the adventure mindset comes in. Mm-hmm. I didn't say we are going to go 12 months without buying a single thing that, you know, period exclamation mark. That's the end of it. We approached it with this idea of what would happen if we put down the shopping mm. for a year? What would, ha- what would it feel like? What would it look like? How would our life be different at the end of a year where we, instead of going to the store, every time we think we need something new, we turned around and looked at what we already have in a new way. And that idea of experimenting and exploring with curiosity was kind of the first step in this process where we said, you know what, we are open to whatever this experience holds. It can crash and burn. Like in three months, we can say, there's no way we're going to do this. Like we, it's our life. These are our rules. So we kind of loosely defined our own rules for what this year would look like. And that included buying, being able to buy consumable things. We would buy groceries. We would put gas in the cars. We would buy experiences. So we could take the kids to movies, but we couldn't go buy them a movie at Target to bring home and like accumulate a new thing. Right. And then we just got started. We said, okay, let's see, let's see what happens. And because I'm a blogger, I started sharing it on my blog and of course had a lot of questions and interest in it, which was motivating for me because I thought, okay, the, the questions became became clarifying. Mm-hmm. And then people being very curious and interested in how this would go was also motivating because I felt the same way, that kind of enthusiasm, this deep interest in what is going to happen. Okay, let's see. Let's figure this out. No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special. And Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite armoire looks. Looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash minimalist. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. If you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as Lime Margarita and Grapefruit Paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at takearecess.com minimalist. Every can of Recess boasts a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients and a calorie count of 25 or less. It's a guilt-free option for winding down during dry January. Again, whether it's the end of a demanding day, a dinner gathering, or simply a moment to unwind, these mocktails are the perfect choice. You won't miss the alcohol, and you certainly won't miss dealing with a hangover. 
Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. This was effectively a huge practice of gratitude for you, just focusing on being grateful and what having fun and adventure with your family. And I'm wondering, though, what was maybe tougher than you expected during this time? And then was there anything that just felt really simple? What was maybe something that was surprisingly easy for you? Yeah, I love I love those questions. And I think that it's it almost ends up being the same thing. So what was really tough initially was just breaking habits. Like I would drive to Target out of habit because sometimes when we didn't have something to do, we would go to Target to like wander and like, you know, see if there was anything new that we might possibly need and add to the cart, you know? So I I had to break those habits. I found myself um like going to the store or like automatically looking at stuff online or clicking on an ad on Instagram that I'm like, I would click on it and then think, Oh, I'm not buying things. I don't need it. You know? And it would kind of redirect. And so it took a couple of weeks to kind of redirect. Um, I also will say that, um, a big challenge was that not all of our family understood. And so while we didn't buy many things during the year, um, we, ha- I'll explain we had a couple instances where it was necessary, but you know, um, my mom stayed, came to stay with us because I was going to a conference like early in the year and my mom came to stay with us. And while I was at the conference and she was watching my kids, she ordered them like a bunch of random stuff on Amazon. Like I came home to like a new basketball thing, like a uh, standard in the driveway. And they all had their own individually colored basketballs, which is so generous, but totally went against the point of what we were trying to embark on. And so while I did have kind of like a chat with her about like, this is so nice and I love it so much. And like, we're, we're really trying to kind of pare down the things that we're, that we own. Um, I also use that as an experience. I just kind of decided we're going to, every time someone gives us something, we're going to accept those gifts with gratitude because that's the whole point is gratitude. And then we're going to fill those boxes up with stuff that we have. So I had the kids take those Amazon boxes and fill them up with toys and things they weren't using to take to donation. So at least even though we weren't the ones buying the the new toys, if someone else gave us them, then at least we're balancing out by getting, you know, more stuff out. Um, And so that worked effectively, but that was kind of a challenge that just like when people give you things, how do you handle a gift if you're trying to be a minimalist? And I think that anyone, even if you're not doing a no shopping challenge, this is something you have to deal with. Like, do you, I, I've decided as a general rule for me, I accept anything that someone gives me with gratitude if it's a direct gift. But if I'm like walking through a conference or something where there's just a bunch of random free swag, I choose to leave it there rather than to, you know, collect it all. Um, and I also, I don't feel bad like re-gifting something or donating something that's been given to me as a gift if it doesn't serve my current value system. You know, if, it, if it's not something I'm going to use or not something I love, then I, I feel like I'm not indebted to keep a gift mm-hmm. simply because it was given to me, you know? So yeah. that was a good time. It was a good year to practice that. Now, the thing that was the simplest about it was how, as soon as those habits were changed, it was like the light had gone on and it was, and, and everything else felt easy. Like for the rest of the year, as soon as we started to identify like what to do instead of shopping, like when I'm bored with the kids at home, instead of going to walk through Target or running to Costco, you know, for like milk and then accidentally bringing home like a pile of coloring books and a new printer. Like 
what am I going to do? And when I started to come up with some of those ideas of the hikes that were nearby the, that I had always wanted to explore and never quite found time to, to explore, or this really cool sculpture garden that, that was downtown um, here in Richmond, there's a free art museum that when we moved to Richmond, we were like, oh, this is so cool. We can take, I can take the kids there any day of the week um, and wander around and expose them to, to the, this beautiful art. And sometimes there's, you know, rotating exhibits. And so there's something new and what are the things I'm going to do instead of the thing that I'm trying to not do? And I think habit replacement is just a good thing in general. But these days, you know, years after like a definitive no shopping challenge, shopping is definitely not a habit anymore. It's something that I only do when I have something that I need that I've planned in advance. And so all of the other free time, I feel like I reclaimed so much time that I used to spend browsing that now I read books on the front porch and I take my kids on walks and we just have so much more space for the things that really add meaning to our everyday. Yeah, absolutely. And another question I had for you was, how has this changed you and your family moving forward? Obviously, now we're several years post that time, but I do want to say one thing. I I don't know. I, I guess it's relevant, but I think when you realize that there's always going to be something new that you could buy, I mean, wh- whether it's online or it's on Instagram or it's in Target, something will catch your eye. And that's never going to go away. There's always going to be something. So I should just be more content with what I have. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is like one of the primary places where a piece resides is in a feeling of abundance. Mm -hmm. That when you recognize that what you have right now is more than enough, that you have the things that you need, that for today, for this moment, you can be content and fulfilled and successful. And, you know, all of those, those, all of the feelings that we hope for are available to us right now. And when we get caught up in the idea that it's behind the next door or that it's behind the next purchase, that's when we are then eternally discontented and, Mm -hmm. and eternally feeling where that we lack. So I think that you've, I mean, that's exactly right. That abundance in the present is a buffer against always needing more, which more is, I mean, the, even just the word more is so funny because there's not a definition to it, right? More means adding. Like it just means adding more to what you, than what you have. And one of my favorite kind of minimalist quotes is from an 18th century British author who said, there are two ways to have enough. The first is to continue to acquire more and more. The second is to desire less. Those are the two ways to have enough. That was GK Chesterton who said that. And I have always thought about that because it's so true. You either will always want more or you come to a place where you find contentment with where you are. And that doesn't mean that you can't want to progress and want to improve your lifestyle and want to, you know, expand, but that you know that it's okay if you don't, you know, that where you are right now, like you don't have to be discontent on the way to that next thing. You get to be happy and fulfilled and excited about your life today as you are pursuing more, as you're pursuing something different, as you're saving money for that next thing or that next trip or whatever. You're content now and along the way. Yeah, it's it's just a shift in focus. And I mean, that's a life lesson in general. If you focus on the negative, you're probably not going to feel so great. But again, if you focus on the things that you're grateful for, I guess don't focus on the things that you want and you don't have. That's only going to breed more discontentment. 
But when you focus on the abundance and the things that you do have, and obviously that's going to that's gonna look different for everyone because abundance for me is not going to be the same for you, but it's more so that shift in focus. I mean, just think about people all over the world that have far less than we do, and a lot of them are, I guess seemingly, a lot more grateful and content than we seem to be, but it's because they're they're focused on that. Yeah, you know what's so interesting there is uh, there's a really fascinating study about happiness um, in relation to financial success to money. And I think that you know whatever more people are pursuing money is usually kind of behind some of it at least. you know, you want a bigger house or you want a nicer car or you want more clothes or whatever. For a lot of people, money is what they feel the reason that they can't like get there, you know, or that they're kind of it's taking too long. And this study shows that, after a certain point where all of your physical needs are met. So obviously someone who is not able to provide food for their family or who's struggling to pay their rent every month, like there's going to be some stress and anxiety involved with that. There comes a level where your needs are met, where you can start to feel gratitude. And then there's a point a little bit later along the curve where the, as your revenue or your, your finances, your financial success, you know, quote unquote success increases as the amount of money you have increases, your satisfaction with your life actually decreases. So it's not like, I think the the lie that we're taught to believe is that the more you have, the better you feel. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that there's a curve here where there's a point at which you get to feel content. And that's of course, like I mentioned, when your physical needs are met, when you have, you know, some sort of a support system and those things that we actively need to be like working to provide for ourselves and our family, but also for members of our community. And, you know, hopefully be civically engaged in some ways that we can spill that over into helping other people feel well, Mm -hmm. but there's a point at which the more you have, the worse you feel. And I think that's something that doesn't click in a lot of people's heads that we just assume we should be in this like rocket ship pursuit of more in order to be happier when actually you can have too much, you can have so much that you're discontent. You can have so much that you feel overwhelmed, that you feel frustrated. And when we acknowledge that as a truth as well, it helps us kind of find that middle for us, that balance for us, where I really like when my house doesn't feel like it's overflowing with junk. So I try to only keep on hand the things that we're actively using right now. And I know that I get rid of some things that someone else would say, you're going to need that someday. And I think to myself, yeah, I might need it someday, but I don't need it now. And so I'm going to keep it. I'm going to donate it until I actually need it because I like to practice the idea that I will have the things that I need or the ability to get them when I need them. I don't have to hold on to everything just in case I someday someday use it, right? Because I like my house to feel a little bit lighter and more open and less cluttered now, you know? I think that I'm a very visual person. So if I think back and write down, I guess we'll say the times that I I felt happy, that seems kind of silly to me, but we'll say uh, when I felt the most fulfilled, I like to just test myself like that. Like, how can I feel that experience more than the thing, the thing that I own, because I I look back and I'm like, the things aren't the things that make me happy or the, what do we say? The most fulfilled. Yeah, I think that that's true. And even I've noticed, so our, our family motto coming out of our year of not shopping is less stuff, more adventure. Mm -hmm. And we just really, my husband and I both recognize that we much prefer to spend our resources of time and money and energy on experiences and 
um, activities together than on adding belongings to our arsenal. So what I was going to say is that I, I've noticed, though, that even in the experiences world, like you can still get in the ca- get caught in the mindset that I'm going to be happy as soon as I can afford that trip to Hawaii, or I'm going to be happy as soon as my, you know, as soon as we go see this new movie, or I can't wait until this, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's the same thing, but just transposed into activities and experiences. And that thing is the the lie that you need more in, in order to feel better. And I think that we can do that with anything, you know, anything that you think you need to have in order to feel better is probably not mm-hmm. entirely true. <laughs> you know, like it's coming back to gratitude, coming back to abundance, coming back to saying it will be so fun to go on that trip as soon as we, you know, save up the money or whatever it is, plan it and go. And we can enjoy little moments with our family every single day. We can go on a walk together in our neighborhood. We can go visit the library. We can, you know, go feed the ducks at the pond. Like there are things that we can do every single day or every week where we live that give us all of those same, all of that same connection that we experience when we're traveling the world, we can experience right here at home, which is something that I've, I definitely have learned over the last couple of years with the pandemic. I love to travel. It's one of my highest priorities. and when the whole world shut down, <laughs> I was like, wait a second, what do I, what am I going to do? Like that, that, those are the things that I go do in order to feel like I'm exploring the world and I'm opening my perspective and that I'm showing my kids new things. And then I'm stuck at home for like 18 months. What do I do? And we started to get to know our neighborhood better. We started to get to know our city better. We started going on day trips to places that we had thought about, but you know, we always put our focus on doing something a little bit bigger, I guess. And all of a sudden we feel so much more connected to where we are because we got to use all of the same excitement and enthusiasm for what had previously been travel. We were able to apply to just simply exploring our home, our mm-hmm. hometown. And that has been really powerful too. I love that too. And I have actually explored Ohio in a similar way. I have lived here my entire life and over the last what, two years, I have explored it in far different ways than I ever had prior to being able to go, I want to say like wherever I want, even though I've not ever been able to go wherever I want, but you know what I mean. But yeah, just the ability to explore nature and that sense of this is my own backyard here, as they say. But I also wanted to share, there is a website called Road Trippers. I'll include a link in the show notes for it. But basically, you can just put in your destination from wherever your starting point is. And you can put a price point in and it will tell you different locations along your path. And you can put in a few different stops along the way. But anyways, it gives you the opportunity to see things and do things that maybe, again, like we were talking about, different experiences that isn't the the trip to Hawaii or the trip to Europe, but it's just things that are simple and not the normal things that we would think to be adventurous or exciting, I guess. Yeah. So, so incredible to recognize how much we already like have available to us. It's just a shift in perspective. It's like, instead of always looking out, kind of turning around to where we are right now, what exists in our lives, in our homes, in our cities, right now that we're maybe not uh, using or taking advantage of in a way that we could. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool practice. It's a really cool uh, mindset to realize that like there is so much available to us right now. 
So for people listening, and maybe some of them are like, I want to try this year of no shopping. Maybe that does seem overwhelming. But where would you say someone could start? It's shifting their focus, like we said, and focusing on gratitude, having more experiences. But where does someone begin? Yeah, so I think that there's kind of a mindset that you use going into trying something like this um, that can also be applied to other things like going and exploring your city or like really experimenting with anything. I call it adventure mindset and just has these five components that when you put them all together, I feel like you can just really conquer the world. You can try something like a no shopping challenge. You can try uh, like a capsule wardrobe. You can take your kids uh, on a road trip. So let me share these five ideas. The first one is explore. And we talked a little bit about that with exploring where you live. Also, as we got started on our no shopping challenge, just the idea of being curious and knowing that we don't know what's going to happen and that's okay. Like we didn't have to plan the whole thing out. We just took one step at a time and kind of gave ourselves a framework and we're open to needing to change as we went. The second one is experience. And that is just a reminder to be present, whatever you're doing. So taking it day by day, checking in with your senses. I think a lot of times we prevent ourselves from doing things we want to do because we get too carried away with what could happen or, you know, we would stop ourselves before we even start because we don't think we can do it. But if you stay present and take it one day at a time um, with whatever your challenge is and think about it more as an adventure, then you're more likely to, to succeed. The third component is enjoyment. And I think that positive emotion is just one of the most powerful things that we can call upon and ways that I like to do this. If I'm not enjoying something, I try to add something that I know I do enjoy to it. So an easy example is like, I don't super love doing the dishes, but if I turn on some great music in the kitchen while I'm doing them, it makes it a lot more fun. So this is just a good tip for getting through anything, but also a major component of adventure mindset is that there might be things that you don't expect that you come up against that feel like a challenge. If you can add something to help you enjoy it a little bit more, you'll feel better off. The fourth component of adventure mindset is enthusiasm. And I love the definition of enthusiasm. I think we all have like an idea of what it is, but enthusiasm means an energetic interest in something. And I I love that definition. I just think it's kind of funny, this energetic interest in something. How interested are you in the things you're trying to do? How excited are you about them? Can you um, shift into like a, a movement energy, like a a kind of tangible energy and enthusiasm for the project or the challenge. As soon as you get there, you'll be much further um, down the road. I was so enthusiastic about this challenge. When we started on our no shopping challenge, I was telling my neighbor about it. She was kind of laughing. And she said, I wonder if you have enough stuff in your house, you could build a lamp which is like very random, but I was like, I wonder if I do. And I went home and went through like our drawers and all of our stuff and found that I did in fact have all of the components to build a lamp between like uh, a piece of an old, what is that thing called that you put on a wall? It's like a, like a a sconce, a sconce. Yeah. A piece of an old sconce that I'd like DIY and a light bulb, of course. And I had all of these pieces. I didn't make the lamp, but I was like, Oh, that's so funny. So just having this kind of eagerness for the thing you're doing. And then the last component, number five is enterprise and enterprise is a cool old word that means ingenuity and problem solving. And I think of this one as kind of like using your creativity to make your 
adventure work. One short story of this is that my middle son at the beginning of the challenge said, mom, what if I want a toy? And I said, don't like, we'll be able to make a toy. Just come tell me when you want a new toy and we'll, we'll figure out what to do. So a few days into the challenge, he said, mom, I want a new toy. And we went into the craft room and we started digging out supplies and we were able to find some modeling clay and paints. And we made him a little car using stuff that we had on hand. And it was just a good exercise right at the beginning of this challenge that we really did have everything we needed. If we hadn't had modeling clay, I mean, I know that's not a totally common thing to have on hand. I'm kind of a crafter. So I like having that kind of random craft stuff around. We could have gone outside and built a built something out of sticks. We could have used, you know, things readily available in nature, used shoelaces to make little dolls, whatever. Using some creativity, mm-hmm. we were able to use what we had in order to take care of all the things that we needed from top to bottom during the year, which was really a fun, a fun practice. It's really fun to be creative. I mean, it's really feels energizing to make something new that didn't exist before of things that you just happen to have around. So um, those five exploring experience, enjoyment, enthusiasm, and enterprise are all pieces that I try to add to my life to keep me on the path of less stuff, more adventure. And also if I'm ever trying a new sort of embarking on a new endeavor, I want to try out something at home with the kids. I want to go on a trip that we haven't been on before. I'm right now I'm in the middle of kind of a fitness challenge. I told my husband, I'd do three months of CrossFit with him. He's, he loves doing CrossFit and I've, I'm not really a gym person. I like going on runs and walks, but I've never really been a gym person. And Mm -hmm. I used these five components of adventure mindset to say, okay, I'll do it for three months. I'm going to just see what it's like. I don't know how I'm going to feel, but I'm just going to try it and do it all the way with enthusiasm and excitement. And, and so far it's been amazing. So for anyone who's listening, who who wants to get started on a no shopping challenge, Mm -hmm. understanding that so much of it is mental and emotional. Mm -hmm. So little of it is actually physical, uh, with these five components and, and the mindset of adventure, I think that you'll be absolutely successful. I also want to mention that I, a couple of times a year, I run a decluttered course. It's kind of like a guided course. And we do five weeks of a shopping pause in addition to, you know, the calls and lessons and things like that. It is not nothing to to say, I'm not going to shop for a week or I'm not going to shop for a month. Like it absolutely requires you to exercise the same self-control, the same questioning and sticking to your values and your motives. And practicing patience and gratitude, which is what it all, you know, is about anyway. Absolutely. Ah, Miranda, this was so good. Where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you for further information and hear more from you? Yeah. So I have a weekly podcast that's called Live Free Creative Podcast. Uh, It comes out every Thursday morning and I talk about practical ways to live on purpose. I'm also on Instagram at Live Free Miranda. And I check in every day and post every a couple times a week. I'm actively working on my relationship with technology and trying to spend more time offline than online. And so, uh, but that is a great place. I do check in there at least once or twice a week and I'm able to, you know, get to messages and things like that. So either one of those two places is a great place to be in touch. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is a resource that has been beneficial to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? Everyone knows about this, but I'm curious how many people actually use them. I feel like one of the most impactful resources for me over the last few years has been our public library. 
Mm. Now, I know these vary a little bit, you know, city to city, but I think pretty much every city in the country has a public library nearby. And I just love to read and I don't want to be constantly buying books. And yeah. so going to the library, um, I really value our local librarians, like librarian pick shelf. I read fiction and nonfiction. I'm always learning something new or being entertained in a fun way as I visit the library. And it's just like a way to have all of this knowledge and entertainment and enrichment in my life without adding stuff to my life, which is really great. And my kids love it too, which is great. I try to go to the library at least every two weeks. And it's one of my favorite, very simple, easily accessible resources. I totally agree. We are at the library at least once a week, if not twice a week. My kids are big readers. I am as well. And I know here in Columbus, we have a great library system. And I know not everywhere might have as accessible of a system. But if you do, it is such a great resource to utilize. All right. My last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Okay. This is kind of silly, but I have a hard time in the cold weather and it's starting to get cold here in Richmond. I've been like trying to prep myself mentally to go outside every day and to like, make sure I have the the right gear people. Um, I read a book about there's no such thing as bad weather. It's yeah. written by a, a Swedish mom. And Anyway, so the thing that I keep talking about because I just pulled them back out are my electric heated socks that I bought last year. You can find them online. You can get them at REI. You can get them. uh, Actually, a lot of online retailers have them. They're these rechargeable socks, winter socks, and they have like a little copper thread that goes through the top of the footbed, recharge the little batteries in the wall. And then when you put the socks on, you plug in the little battery pack and it has like a mini pocket on the top of the sock. This sounds so silly, but Uh I am telling you last year, I made it through the winter exploring the outdoors the way that I want to. And I could feel my feet the whole time, which is dramatic for me because I usually lose sensation in my feet within like minutes of being outside in the cold. So if you suffer from cold or have a hard time going outside when the cold weather hits, these electric battery operated rechargeable socks will change your life. And it's just so funny because I just keep talking about them and I have friends that are like, what? I didn't even know such a thing existed. And I'm like, I know they're the best. <laughs> no, that that's a, that does sound silly, but that is one of the first things that always gets cold on me too, which could be because I'm six feet tall, but maybe it's just bad circulation. Circulate blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have to get all the way down there. But no, I'm glad you shared that book. I had Linda McGurk on the podcast. I think, oh, no, it was the beginning of last year of 2021. But yeah, her message is one that I just want everyone to hear and to believe because there really is no such thing as bad weather. It really is just poor clothing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. And that's what we're we're trying to we're trying to do it every day. I've committed. I mean, I have a dog. We're getting another puppy this week even. So we're going to have two dogs soon. And I feel like when I got her five years ago, we just said, she's going to help us get outside every day. Mm -hmm. And then it's really easy to run her around the backyard, you know, like send her out. And so we're going outside every day. My kids walk and bike to school. Like we're trying to actually commit in a meaningful way to spending. I mean, we already spend a lot of time outside, but to spend even more time outside. Mm -hmm. And right now, like today's going to be only 50 degrees, which I don't know where if people live, Ohio is probably a lot colder than it is in Richmond. (laughs) 50 degrees is cold to me. And I'm like, Oh, I got to have the wool socks, the heated socks, the down coat, and then I can live my best outdoor life. Yeah. But like you said, if you are consistent with it, 
it's not as shocking. So I just try to get myself out there as early enough in the season so that my body just regulates with the decrease in temperatures. I also feel like getting out, maybe there's Linda would know more about this, but I feel like getting outside first thing in the morning, like Mm -hmm. taking my dog on a walk in the morning or taking like walking or biking the kids to school in the morning, the earlier I get out, the more easy it feels for the rest of the day to Mm -hmm. go back outside because it only gets warmer, right? Yeah. I think there's something to that, to just like committing to going outside. And it's so, I just feel like this is a whole other topic. I feel like it's so good for my kids to spend 15 minutes outside walking to school every day. Like it changes their whole day. So. Oh yeah. Nature really does change everything. But uh, Miranda, this was a great conversation. I appreciate you chatting here with me about your story. And I appreciate the encouragement that you've given us today. Thank you so much. It's been so fun chatting. I appreciate it. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.